This is Rob Carbone, and you're listening to BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. What is going on, guys? This is Rob Carbone, coming at you with another episode of BD4, where there is no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. Uh, Tonight, we're going to do episode 90. We are on episode 90 already of BD4. Um, So, guys, thank you so much for following along. Thanks for keeping track all this time. You know, and if you haven't followed my page on um on facebook uh, or on twitter even uh go sure you know be sure to follow that on uh at ny sports talk rc which is the handle for both of those pages um and you can follow my instagram account at rob j carbone and you know 90 episodes in it would be great to uh to get even more subscribers you know i appreciate all the ones i already have but if you haven't done so be sure to go and sub on um on all the major platforms, you know, iTunes, Google, uh, SoundCloud, Spotify, Radio Public, and there's plenty more, YouTube, where the video cast is, and um, plenty more, which is located on my website. Just go to my website, guys. You can go to my website at nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com, and, you know, there there's going to be a page called Outlets. Just click on that and... It takes you to everywhere you need to be and, you know, where to reach me, how to reach me, blah, blah, blah. So, guys, thank you so much for um, for tuning in all this time. Um, I appreciate that. So, tonight we're going to dive into episode 90 with what could be the, the really the final, um, the final Knicks podcast on, um, you know, until the, the, until the off-season starts. And that's going to be a while, obviously. So... I, I figured, you know, the season for the Knicks, at least, is, is pretty much over. There's little you know, slim to zero chance that when the NBA does resume, if it does resume, that the Knicks are going to be playing games. There's a good chance they go right into the playoffs at that point. Um, so, you know, you you could pretty much say goodbye to your 2020 New York Knicks. And honestly, guys, it's it's an easy season to say goodbye to, right? Um, the Knicks just played terrible basketball. They underperformed, which is hard to ask because the the expectations weren't for them to perform very well to begin with, right? All I was asking was for proper player development, a competent front office, and you know just win thirty games, maybe <laughs> thirty or thirty five games. But they couldn't do that. Um, they, they they play below their expectations, and the Knicks. So for this final report card, obviously I'm going to be grading everybody, but also starting with the Knicks as a team. Um, and I gave them a D minus because, again, man, listen, at 21 and 45, which is a winning percentage of 
318 with a record like that after you spent all this money in free agency misfiring on Durant misfiring on Kyrie Irving misfiring on all the other superstars and all-stars and solid players out there and you ended up salvaging it with with you know a bunch of mis misfits um, and that didn't work so the winning and losing part was not good the Knicks won 21 out of 66 games just terrible basketball uncompetitive basketball um, an, inco an incoherent brand of basketball and here's the thing they were bad but they're so Knicks that they weren't even bad enough to, to kind of put themselves in a better position in terms of a lottery, the lottery in the draft this this upcoming summer or whenever it happens to be now. Um, you know they're not even in the top top four for the for the worst record in the tankings. Um, so it sucks to be in this position where it's kind of middle middle here for the Knicks. But like I said, yeah, D minus because the winning and losing thing was just a mess. Couldn't win. Couldn't lose enough. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those one of those interesting uh, scenarios. And the big thing here, though, you know, I think everybody should look past the winning and losing part and just realize that they they got a D minus because they simply couldn't realize what their plan should have been and what their goal should have been. You know, the player development is what I'm trying to hint at here. The player development this year for the Knicks, <laughs> it was awful. It was very, very bad. Under David Fisdale, under Mike Miller, these guys just regressed. If not regressed, they remained the same from last season. Um, very few, very few have have you know gone upwards. And just the youth, the youth of this team, you know, the guys who were building around the building blocks, the young foundation. They just didn't play enough, or they didn't play at all, really. You know, we, we prioritize veterans who aren't going to be here past next season at the very, very most. And we didn't prioritize, our, our again, our kids enough. You know, it's just, and because of that, some of them have regressed. Some of them have just not grown at all. Kevin Knox took a step backwards. Um, we're going to get to his grade. Damian Dotson. Up and down, didn't really see much of a you know consistent rotation. Um, Alonzo Trier, same deal with Dotson, wasn't in that rotation enough. Frankie Lakina didn't really improve much, but the Knicks didn't do him a service by you know making him back up Alfred Payton and at times Dennis Smith Jr., who also just didn't do much. So and we're going to talk about all of those guys soon, but just in terms of player development, not good. We're taking a step backwards there. We didn't even get to see guys like Iggy, um, even if he was thrown out there, it was in garbage time within the last couple, you know, five or six minutes of a game when the Knicks were down 30 already. Kenny Wooten never got a shot, Lamar Peters, you know, etc. We just didn't get enough of that rebuild where the Knicks would actually do what a competent NBA team would do, you know, where most young teams that aren't winning many games, they would play their kids. You look at the Suns, you look at the Grizzlies, and you could just go on and on. At least those rebuilding teams do it correctly by, you know, throwing their their youth out there and letting them play, letting them gain gain chemistry together, and letting them make their mistakes, and not yanking them even if they do make mistakes. Letting them learn and grow. 
but the Knicks didn't do that. The Knicks simply just tried to play their veterans. Maybe it was that playoff mandate. And it's going to sound repetitive tonight because we just had a show the other night where we talked about this a little bit, but didn't really go into as much detail. But, um, yeah, it's just frustrating, man, because it's it's the simplest thing in the world, right? Player development for a young rebuilding team is you'd think that you can at least be average in that category, and the Knicks were simply failures in that category. One thing I guess you could say they did a little bit of a better job of this season was gaining some sort of stability in that front office. Now, there was some drama, obviously the unnecessary drama with Steve Stout on first take, then obviously later in the season, more recently, the whole Jim Dolan-Spike Lee altercation, and maybe a few other things as well, because it's the Knicks. But, you know, however, you do look at it, and I think overall, in terms of just talking about gaining stability in the front office, the Knicks took a step up, upwards there, because they did fire Steve Mills, who was absolutely terrible in his, you know, tenure here, um, and they hired guys like Steve Stout, and they hired guys like Leon Rose, so they got two new faces up in that front office who sound promising, to, you know, they, they, they've really not done much yet, and to their credit, they can't do much yet, but um, at least they've done something to where they're showing us they're trying to change upstairs, right, because that's where it all starts, that's where everything starts, it's not just coaching, it's the main thing here, that's that's the issue with the Knicks is, is that front office, and at least they've shown some kind of progression by firing Steve Mills, and hiring a new branding guru, and then hiring a new uh, chairman or president in uh, Leon Rose. So that's good. But overall, you look at the Knicks product on the court, didn't win, didn't lose enough to get in better positioning for the, for the draft. Player development was horseshit. Um, didn't really do much, so I gave him a D-. minus, A D- minus for for the season because they just simply failed. And that's it's not it's you know it's pretty simple when you talk about that stuff so i don't know that's it's unfortunate that we have to keep doing this you know because it it really says something about an organization when year after year after year it's the same issues that that um you know that bother us it says a lot (laughs) we'll be right back guys Hey guys, Rob Carbone here. Really quick, I just want to talk to you about Anchor. Anchor is a free podcast hosting site. And I say that again, it's a free podcast hosting site that will distribute your podcast for you to other platforms such as Spotify, Apple, Overcast, and all those websites. But here's the best part. Not only is it free, not only do they share it for you, but they will pay you for recording a podcast. They will pay you. And you can do it from your computer, from your phone. All you have to do is go to the Anchor app and download that or go to their website, which is anchor.fm to begin. It's everything you need. It is so convenient for podcasters like myself. So please, guys, 
Go download the Anchor app or go to their website, anchor.fm, to begin. See you there. So I guess we'll start off with our unfortunate starting point guard for this season, which was, for the most part, Alfred Payton. Um, Payton, I gave a C, a flat C, just because, you know, he was, he, he is who he is, and he is practically who he's been for his entire career so far, which is an average backup point guard. Um, he doesn't do much. He'll, you know, his strengths are penetrating to the rim and kicking it out, you know, getting his teammates involved by passing, but... The issue here was, you know, like most veterans, like most short-term players on this Knicks team, he was halting and stunting the growth of the Knicks foundation, of the young kids, once again. Um, him just out there, he throws out a lot of other players, and we're going to talk about that a little bit when we get into R.J. Barrett. But Alfred Payton, you know, he played a lot of two-man game with Julius Randle, and at times that would freeze out a lot of other Knicks standing out, you know, outside the arc just waiting for the ball. And... He, was, he could not shoot, so he did nothing in terms of stretching the floor and spacing the floor. Um, he, he's not much of a scorer, so he would drive and, and finish at the rim occasionally, but most of his game was just based off of passing and playing some okay defense. So Peyton, I gave a C. I don't think there's much else to say. I was just tired of watching him thrown out there every single day, um, and it made no sense to just start a point guard who's not going to be here again. Um following the 2021 season, if anything, if he's still here by then. <laughs> Reggie Bullock was the starting shooting guard for the later half, later portion of the season, and I gave him a C-. minus. I really wasn't impressed with um, with what Reggie Bullock did for this Knicks team. I thought Bullock was very, you know, mediocre. I didn't think he really provided much outside of occasionally getting hot from downtown. Some good defense, but... Really, I can't think of much else that Bullock did. He, he didn't shoot as well as Knicks fans would have hoped he shot and, and didn't bring that presence from outside that was very much needed, and we hoped we would have gotten that from him when you know, when he returned from, from the back injury. But never really found a consistency with the Knicks, and that's why I gave Reggie Bullock a C-. minus. Um, and then I'm, I'm going to dive into R.J. Barrett. Well, might as well just get right into him. And I've got a lot to say about R.J., um... Well, first of all, I, I loved you know I loved the season. I, I know some Nick fans maybe aren't as high on R.J. Barrett as others, but I'm I'm one of the I'm one of the Nick fans to I really appreciate what this kid has has done for this Knicks team so far. Um, I thought he had a strong rookie season. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> um, no, really, I did. I, I gave him a B, a straight B, because I thought you know while he had some. Um, some ups and downs. Overall, he, he finished the season nicely, and he, 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 listen, man, he scored 14 points a night, gave them five rebounds and three assists while playing some very good defense. So, first and foremost, I want to point out, before we even talk about his on-field, his on-court stuff, his confidence out there, that stands out to me most. It's, he never looks shook or anything like that, right? He has a very cool, calm, and collected demeanor out there. And we mentioned this on the show the other night, episode 89. Uh, but he does. He just doesn't look like he's ever shaken up out there. And to have poise like that, 
to have that kind of poise when you're a 19 year old, you know, you're a teenager, you're a teenage rookie, a 19 year old in the NBA to have a type of poise like that. That impresses me a lot. That's very impressive to me. And to me, that's also a sign of a, of a clutch performer. Eventually, I think because he has that characteristic where he's not phased by anything, I think that could make him a very clutch player down the stretch. But um, of course, he has some things to work on, like the jumper to get to to get that clutch gene. But you know, we're going to talk about that in a sec. But I loved his confidence this season. I thought that was a big pro for R.J. Barrett. Um, so I just wanted to get that out of the way first. But also. I thought his, you know, before we even talk about his offense, a, a pretty a pretty underrated part of R.J. Barrett's game this season um, in his first year in the NBA was his defense and rebounding. You know, especially the defense, which was supposed to be a weakness. You know, he wasn't a great defender at college in Duke, um, in college at Duke. But, um, yeah, he wasn't really a great defender there. But this season, I honestly have to say, I thought it was a pretty underrated aspect. Um, everybody wants to talk about his offense, and we'll talk about that. But I thought, for the most part, R.J. Barrett played some above-average defense. I thought his on-ball defense, in particular, was very good. You know, as a six-six, two hundred two-pound wing, he he kept up with the with the quicker guards pretty well, and he rebounded pretty well. You know, too, he had five rebounds a night out there. So I thought overall, when you talk defense, when you talk rebounding, people start to you know they kind of forget about that. When it comes to R.J. Barrett. But I love that. I love that he brought a nice defensive presence to this team. At the wing position. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, also I like his shot creating. right? And I think that's that's the one thing that most Knicks fans will say about him. His ability to get to the rim. He's kind of already established an identity for himself. Which is good. When you're a rookie and you've already established an identity. You know what you're good at most. That's, that's pretty impressive to me. Um, he's kind of relentless. You know, that's a good word to use. That's a good term. He's relentless at attacking that rim. Like, he kind of reminded me, you know, the way he could get to the rim off the bounce of a, of a, of a D-Wade type. You know, Dwayne Wade, James Harden type. Just fearless and, and not afraid to, to take a hit and get to the rim with, with no fear at all and aggressively just attacking that shit. And I loved what I saw from him in terms of that. Just off the bounce, getting to the rim, and he got a fair share of, you know, of his free throw attempts because of that as well. Um, obviously, he has to start hitting those, but, you know, as as he grows older and as he becomes more efficient, he's going to be able to generate even more, you know, some extra points at, at that free throw line because it adds up. He's a very good um, penetrator. He, he His ability to get to the rim and absorb contact, that's going to give him about six, seven, eight free throws a night, I think, eventually. As long as he keeps, you know, continuing to grow. So, love the confidence. Love the shot creating part. The defense and rebounding. The ability to draw the foul. A couple other things. I like I like the, the off-ball scoring. You know, we want to talk about his on-ball shot creating abilities. Nice. But, that's not necessarily to say that R.J. Barrett is ball dominant. <laughs> he, he's very good at, at cutting, you know, at scoring off the ball too. Um, a lot of backdoor cuts. We've seen him, you know, curl around screens and, you know, and, and catch and drive. Um, we've seen a lot of, a lot of good, a lot of good moments from R.J. Barrett. Not just you know, where he's had the, have to has to have the ball in his hand. He's done a nice job scoring off the ball this season as well. I thought. 
Um, I thought his passing was pretty good too. You know, I, I understand that he, he wasn't no you know point guard out there, but I liked when the Knicks did, uh, especially down the stretch when I understood more. You know, when he kind of started to establish that identity as a ball handler. I liked when the Knicks ran him as as the number one point guard. That's the point. They ran him at point a couple of times um, towards the end of the season, and I gotta say I like it. I like doing that because you know, it it kind of gets him used to playing with the ball in his hands, and that's what they need to do when he's your number one option, or su supposed to be your number one option, <clears throat> not Julius Randle. <laughs> but um, I thought I like when they ran ran R.J. Barrett at the point, and I thought he he displayed some pretty good playmaking abilities. Um, and then you can we can talk about his cons now. Um, you know he had a B, but it could have been higher because of a couple things he did not do great at. Um, you know we mentioned the shooting inefficiency. Um, he was only forty percent, thirty-two percent, and sixty-one percent when we're talking about field goal percentage, three-point percentage, and then free throw percentage. Um, so that's got to improve. Forty, thirty-two, sixty-one, not good, but. Again, you know, it'll happen. He, uh, a lot of times, it, a lot of that was struggling to finish on the drive. Um, in particular, it's going right that halts his efficiency. He's very good at going left, finishing with his left hand, because that's his dominant hand, but he had some trouble going right. And I think, you know, it's something that he can improve on, can improve on but it wasn't the only thing that, that he struggled with, um, with, with his efficiency with. Uh, I think he also needed to, Eventually, he's going to need to establish. Listen, let's say it how it is. He needs he needs um, an adequate, at least an adequate mid range and three point shot if he wants to be an all star caliber, you know, lottery pick down the line. You know, I think if he doesn't do that, um, you know, I've heard people compare him to Demar Derozan. Um, you know, his his floor, but I've also heard some. You know, I think some NBA freelance scout um a couple days ago said you know if he doesn't if rj doesn't develop a, a jumper or a, or a three-point shot soon enough in two three years that he'll become a rodney hood kent Bazemore type so he's not wrong i don't think i think it's something very important you know especially in today's nba he's going to have to eventually develop a jumper but you know I, listen it, it's at least he he has the ability to create space. Now he may not be finishing with the jumpers, but the idea that he can create space so well to get off a jumper, right? He has a nice step back. Again, he doesn't finish all the time, but he has a nice step back to create that space. So it's one thing to to that's 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 one thing I'm looking at here. I'm not like I said, I'm not necessarily looking at efficiency numbers for a 19-year-old rookie yet. I just want to see the abilities, right? The ability to attack the rim doesn't always finish. The ability to create for that open jumper doesn't always finish. But it's the abilities that I liked seeing from him this season. Um, but, you know, he had some other issues as well. The tunnel vision, he had some tunnel vision. Criticized for it in college, and it kind of a little bit in the NBA here with the Knicks so far in his first season. Um, a 2.6 assists uh, to a 2.2 turnover per game ratio. Not the greatest, but, you know, at the same time, it's... You have to look at a lot of this as, as who he plays with, and we're going to talk about that in one second. But I do want to mention one more point I made on my on my notes. Um, a part, one last con I want to bring up is his defense. Um, now his defense was good. I talk about his on-ball defense, but there were also times where defensively he would become disengaged and and get caught ball watching a little too often. 
and that you know that kind of led, led to easy buckets uh, for the opposing teams. But that's one thing I think again he'll he'll learn to tune up in that area and um, hopefully fix. But I do want to say this for the few cons that R.J. Barrett does have, while some of that or a lot of that you can even say is on him, you can also point to you know the lineups, the spacing, and just the overall use has a lot to do with those deficiencies. Um, you know, a lot of times, Fizdale, Miller, they would pair him with guys like Julius Randle and Alfred Payton, um, even Portis, Gibson, etc. Just too much. Pairing him with guys like that, you know, especially Randle and Payton, it clogs the paint because neither shoot well. Um, it kills the spacing because of that, too. And, you know, because both of these, both of those guys, you know, Randall, Peyton, even Portis, they're all ball dominant. So it sacrifices R.J. Barrett's ball time. It forces him into spot-up situ- situations where he's being used as a floor spacer. And, again, that's not who he is. So a lot of this has to do, a lot of the inefficiency he had, you know, that he struggled with this season, R.J., a lot of that had to do with lineups that were thrown out there and who he was playing with. He wasn't necessarily being set up to succeed. You know, they were kind of setting him up to fail a lot of the time. And that's that's where a lot of those forced shots, those tunnel vision type of plays came from, you know, because the vets don't feed him nearly enough and not throughout the game enough. And, you know, R.J. Barrett's a guy, we saw it towards the end of the year, too, where you feed him early, he's going to thrive. You feed this guy early and you feed him throughout the game, give him a volume of shots, he'll get hot and he'll, he'll put up the numbers, man. He can do that, but... A lot of the times when they when the Knicks share R.J. Barrett with the veterans, it doesn't necessarily work that way. They don't necessarily feed him a lot, and they didn't do that well. Um, that's why I think, you know, hopefully next year we see him paired bet, uh, more more often with guys like Mitchell Robinson, uh, Frank Milakina, Kevin Knox, and you know all the other um, you know young kids on this team. I think he needs to play with them more to gain chemistry with those you know his fellow building blocks and and to just to increase his efficiency down the line. So that 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 did bother me that he could have been even better this season had the Knicks learned to use him properly. But overall, again, I, I think he had a strong rookie season. You can't argue with a B, a solid B for RJ Barrett. So we took a long time on him, but um I I'm sorry about that. But um let's let's continue on. I also have um what do I have? Julius Randle, I gave Julius, the starting power forward, um, a C plus. You know, uh, I, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to talk about Julius Randle for for long because I, ugh. but um, I thought under David Fisdale, like the first twenty something games, I thought he was absolutely terrible. He was pathetic. He was hard to watch. It was unbearable. Then Mike Miller came along and he showed some some signs. He wasn't great. But he was more consistent. Um, he wasn't consistently terrible. You know, he kind of came, went from consistently terrible to just inconsistent. You know, which was a, technically a step up. But overall, it's the poor defense, the lazy defense, the lack of help defense at times, um, the, the recklessness, the low IQ, just the stupid decision making, and you know, taking three point shots when you shouldn't be. Um, you know, turning it over in the post with that ridiculous spin move that he never really learned didn't work, um, and things like that just bothered you so much about Julius Randle. Could have been and should have been much more efficient if the had the Knicks used him properly. So you can make that argument too. Um, needs to be used off the ball more, not not shot creating. 
needs to be used as a screener, you know, rolling to the rim and, and catching off of screens and things like that. So, all in all, I just think Julius Randle, a C-plus season. He was all right, but he definitely hurt the team, um, you know, at times, just as much as he helped them. So, I have to give him a C-plus. And then for our starting center, Taj Gibson. I gave Taj Gibson a, a C-plus as well. Okay, defense, some decent offense. You know, does a nice job setting hard screens. So he's very good in pick and roll because he can set a hard screen and create space around him for other Knicks. Um, defensively, he was okay. Didn't really provide much of rim protection, but he was fine staying with his man. Occasionally, offensively, he'd stretch the floor. And he's an okay rebounder as well, but C-plus for Taj Gibson. It kind of just got tiring watching him start center every single night. Um, and then we get to the bench. Um, Bobby Portis, I have him as a C-. minus. Kind of jumped his grade up a little bit towards the end of the year because he caught a hot streak. But overall, he, he, he stunted the growth of the Knicks, you know, of the Knicks youth and was kind of hard to watch. Didn't provide much defense as well. Very much like Randall on the defensive side of the floor without the strength. <laughs> so, you know, he, he provided occasional hot, you know, bursts of offense um, with his shooting ability and his ability to, you know, put in the jump hook into the post, which he so very often does, and it bothers me when it doesn't go in. He's very hit or miss out there. But a C-minus for, for Portis. Didn't think he was good. I thought he overall he was just pretty lackluster. And, you know, outside of that, that hot streak at the end of the season, that hot streak at the end of the season, I just thought he was very underwhelming at best. Mitchell Robinson. Um, another guy I want to really dive into a little bit here. Mitchell Robinson, man, I thought he was very good, um, especially at the end of the season when he got really hot. Um, I gave him a B, a flat B, just like I gave R.J. Barrett. I thought both of their impacts were similar. They, they impacted the Knicks very well, where they had some big flaws, but when they were on that court, they were so tremendous for the most part. Ten points, seven rebounds, two blocks, and all of that in 23 minutes a night. That's good. So we'll go over the pros and we'll go over the cons of his 2020 season. Um, first pro I've written, I wrote down was his finishing. I thought he was excellent, right? He had the 74% field goal percentage, which obviously people were talking about him um, breaking Wilt Chamberlain's record of 73%. I'm not necessarily sure if he has a, enough attempts to make it official. So that kind of sucks, but 74% is nice. You know, obviously it speaks for itself. He dunked a lot, but. Hey, that's part of his game. He was very good at a pick-and-roll. His pick-and-roll game is on point. Um, freakish athleticism, which allowed him to throw down those acrobatic lobs in pick-and-roll and those dunks, and, and just came so easy to him just finishing at the rim. And he always, you know, a big part of his finishing ability is because he's such a good offensive rebounder. He salvages poor possessions and, and missed shots with, with his offensive rebounding skills and with his length. You know, his wingspan out there, he's so good at crashing the glass relentlessly. And he turned, you know, zero points into two points on a possession just like that. So I thought he did a very good job with the rebounding. He was 14th in the entire league in offensive rebounding per game with 3.0. 14th. Now, most of you would look at that and say that's decent. But every single guy, all 13 of the guys ahead of Mitchell, they average more minutes than him. 
you know, a lot of those guys were averaging 30 minutes plus, and, you know, most of them were averaging at least over 25. Mitch is getting 23 out here. So to be 14th in offensive rebounding um, per game and not playing nearly as much minutes as the guys ahead of you, as most of those guys ahead of you, it's it's impressive to me because his rebounding, again, 10-7-2 guys, 10 points, 7 boards, 2 blocks in 23 minutes, very good. But, yeah, speaking of the shot blocking, that was great. But I also thought the shot altering was great. A lot of people forget about the shot altering. And you could talk about the blocks all you want, but he changed opinions of, of you know opposing drivers and shooters. Where you know shot altering can change an, an entire attack. It changes an entire possession, um, an entire game plan because of his presence down in that paint. So I thought that was good. Not just the blocking, but the, the ability to just change possessions and make, make players think twice when going to the rack. Um but his perimeter defense is even good. I want to talk about that because I think Mitchell Robinson, you know, and maybe I use this word too much, but I also think this is kind of overlooked with him, where he was very solid on the perimeter. Um, he could he could block you on the inside, but he could also block your shots on the outside. We've seen that plenty times this season. Um, but he also has the ability to block with either hand, and that's that's impressive too because not many not many bigs have that um, skill set where they can block with either hand just as um, effectively but he can do that and he can also keep the ball inbounds when he blocks it he's not one of those showcase you know show offs where he just blocks it into the crowd to, to hype up the crowd and all that shit he keeps the ball inbounds he blocks it to give his to, you know to give his team a chance to to grab the defensive rebound so his defensive presence great his rebounding terrific his his finishing great um he does have his cons though you know obviously we'll get to the big one in a sec but I think, you know, the screen setting, um, he, he, sometimes Mitchell Robinson's, or a lot of the time, Mitchell Robinson will set a screen, and it's very lazy, soft, it kind of looks like he's uninterested at times when he's setting screens, he, he rolls too quickly, um, you know, and you think what he would have learned from somebody like Taj Gibson, who's very good at, at being the screener, but, you know, he, he I, I still need to see more, more, more aggressiveness on screens, and, Maybe some, you know, as he continues to to grow as a player and gains more muscle and strength, he'll become a better screener. But I do want to make sure. I, I do want to do want to uh, point that out that his his screen setting wasn't necessarily great this season. Um, and then his you know his scoring package again. He still scored ten points about in twenty three minutes, which because he's so good at rolling to the rim and finishing down low. But he still eventually he's going to. To need an outside shot, he doesn't offer anything. Doesn't offer much outside of dunking and you know throwing down the lob and crashing uh, the boards. You know finishing. Um, offensively, he he doesn't really have the jumper yet. Now, he has a fluid technique. I like the technique. We've seen him shoot at the free throw line, and it looks like he has the shot form. It looks like it's pretty smooth for a big to eventually become an adequate shooter for a big man. But we're going to have to see it. I think I counted all season. I maybe saw two jump shots from Mitchell Robinson this year. Both little tiny mid-range jumpers. Maybe, I think two. I think I counted two. Um, and he said at the beginning of the year that he was going to start shooting some threes occasionally. But we didn't see a, thing, a single three-pointer. Only two mid-range. Eventually, he's going to have to expand his game and develop a little bit of a shot out there. You know? 
So I thought that was something he needs to work on. Screen setting, scoring package. But of course, the big thing here, the big con in Mitchell Robinson's game in 2020 continued to be defensive discipline. Um, now, the 4.1 personal fouls per 36 minutes was definitely better than the 5.7 per 36 last year. But at the same time, it's it's kind of marginal improvement. He still needs to hone craft in that area and stay on his feet because a lot of these fouls are are not legit fouls. They're not fouls that you should be getting. Um, a lot of them are just cheap, dumb, ticky-tacky fouls where he just needs to learn to, to, to stay on his feet out there. Simply Simple as that. And, and he also needs to realize that it's not the referee's fault every single time. Because every time you see him foul out of a game, or every time Mitchell Robinson is in, is going to the bench in foul trouble, he's he's always complaining with the ref. And you're a kid, this is a referee, an NBA referee, you can bitch and moan all you want, but you have no right to, to be complaining to a ref when you're, you're in your second season, and when you're actually legitimately fouling people because you can't stay on your feet. That's one thing that really bothered me about Mitchell Robinson this season, is just not only the fact that he didn't really improve too much in that area, but the fact that he didn't recognize that he was fouling. And he's never going to improve in that area unless he, he he takes it upon himself first and foremost. But, you know, if he keeps, you know, for as long as he doesn't realize he's the one fouling and he needs to address it, he's not going to fix it. But, again, though, overall, you take everything with the, you know, in account, I still think he had a great a very strong, solid season, and he, he definitely took a step upward, one of the few Knicks who did from last season, and I gave him a B overall. And again, just like with Barrett, I think the Knicks need to learn to play him longer, play him more, start him for fucking shit's sake, and, and play him, pair him with guys he needs to be paired with. We saw a very good tandem when he was out there with Kevin Knox, right? Those two throw, uh, play a nice a nice. Uh, pick and roll, and Kevin Knox has thrown him a number of lobs this season. The Knicks generate a lot of offense when those two are on the floor. Same goes for Frankie Lakina and, and Mitchell Robinson. Same goes for R.J. Barrett and Mitchell Robinson. I think the Knicks' impact, you know, in terms of results, you know, getting playing better, not only that, but it's just to gain chemistry, just all types of things like that to gain, you know, to, to, to grow together and to learn how to play together as guys who are going to be here long term. So, the Knicks have to have to do a better job themselves if, if they want Mitchell Robinson to improve. But again, overall, Mitch gets a B for me because I thought he played very good basketball for the Knicks. Then I have Damian Dotson down here with a B minus. I thought he was good. Started the season a bit inconsistent and had his troubles shooting the ball because again, the Knicks. You know, I think a lot of that is on the Knicks for not consistently including Damian Dotson in this rotation. Um, but I gave him a B minus. Uh, a good shooter, good mid range shooter. Occasionally hits threes. Um, good off the dribble. Can attack the rim pretty well. But he saw some. He displayed some speed, which we didn't really see much last year. Um, and he played. Continues to play competitive. If that's one word to describe him, I think it's competitive defense. I love the effort Damian Dotson gave on both ends. So B minus. Frank Nielakina, uh C plus. Again, man. Um, part of the part of the thing is. He he needs to be thrown out there more if the Knicks want to see his legitimate legitimacy. Play him more. Start the kid. Let him play out there. And, and you know he's shown a lot more. He showed a lot more aggressiveness this season, right? Because in the past we saw Frankie Lakina be very tentative and very conservative on the floor. But this season, while it wasn't necessarily great, 
by all by any means. I think Frankie Lakina did show that he has that confidence in him now, more confidence in him to be that aggressive point guard, and he was he showed flashes of being a solid NBA player. Um, he's got a long ways to go. You know, a C plus isn't good, but at least he showed some progress this season in terms of not being afraid to shoot the ball and not being afraid to dig into his bag of tricks and come up with a couple of dribble moves on people and, you know, use his crossover, use the step back, shoot a three when you're, you know, slightly contested now. You know, we saw some different things that we didn't see often from Frank offensively last season. Um, still want to see a better job of pushing the pace and, and running a, an aggressive point guard and getting everybody involved by not just passing the ball, once you pass half court, but I want to see him, you know, become more of a floor general and continue to play very, very good defense. Um, he plays defense already great enough of a defender to where I think Frankie Lucina's floor could be a Tony Allen type. So I think his, you know, just him playing defense alone is, is going to make him a, an impactful NBA player. But to take the next step and to at least be a solid NBA player, he's going to have to be thrown out there more often and he's going to have to take it upon himself as well to improve offensively and become a better shooter and just be a a better basketball scorer, I guess. <clears throat> Dennis Smith Jr. gave him a D minus. Can't really say much. Didn't do well at all. Kevin Knox also gave him a D minus. Very disappointing second season. Felt the Knicks should have definitely used him more. A lot of Bobby Portis, a lot of Wayne Allenkin when those minutes should have and could have been going to Kevin Knox. Unfortunately they didn't and Kevin Knox had Many, many issues with consistency because of that. But a lot of it was on him. Low motor doesn't always show the best effort, which is frustrating and annoying to see from such a young kid. Defense is not good. Offensive shooting has taken a hit. Sometimes it felt like he had a little bit too much of an arc on his jumper. Um, has shown at times the flashes to be a very good offensive player where he attacks the rim and puts the ball on the floor from outside the arc and just drives and takes it to the rack aggressively. But it wasn't enough. Um, so overall, I just think you know, combining his terrible defense, his lack of rebounding, his, his inconsistent shooting, can't really give him anything higher than a D-, minus, guys. Maybe maybe a D, but what's the difference at that point? D- minus for Kevin Knox. And then the last couple, Wayne Ellington. Don't really want to talk about Wayne Ellington. <laughs> gave him a D. Alonzo Trier, I gave him a B-. minus. Again, kind of like Dotson. Hard to do much when you're not included in this rotation. How many games did he play? This guy missed over 20-something games. I, maybe. He didn't play much. Um, and I think for, for Alonzo Trier to be iced from the rotation after such a solid rookie season was just criminal. Um, he's a guy who could score in bunches. And the Knicks lacked scoring this season. They lacked shooting. And he was a guy who brought that stuff. But the Knicks didn't use him. I understand he isolates a lot. I understand his defense is not much better than Kevin Knox's defense. But putting a guy like Alonzo Trier, a rookie, uh, not a rookie, a young kid on the floor would have only helped this Knicks team rebuild the right way. And the Knicks couldn't do that. So a B minus though when he was on the floor because I thought he gave the Knicks enough to where his offense overshadowed his weaknesses um, to give him a solid B minus. But guys, I think I hit everybody here. We're almost 45 minutes into this episode. Um, I told you it was going to be a, a, an in-depth episode of, of BD4 as this is the final report. This is the final final time we'll be talking Knicks until the offseason, I'm pretty sure. Um, you know, so I don't know. I don't know. It's 
it sucks. If this is it, then it, it sucks that we have to end another season kind of uh, disappointed, you know? But um, I thought they played well, man. Um, oh, no. That literally just came off the top of my head. They did not play well. I take that back. I did not think the Knicks played well, man. Um, I don't know where that came from. Shit. They did not play well. Again, no. A D- minus for the New York Knicks. Um, and once again, to go over all the grades, Peyton, a C. Bullock, a C-. minus. RJ, a B. Uh, Randall, C+. Gibson, C+. Robinson, B. Portis, C-. minus. Dotson, B-. minus. Um, Nilakina, C+, plus. Smith Jr., D-, minus. Knox, D-, minus. Ellington, D, and Trier, B-. Minus. So, again, overall, the Knicks as a team, 21-45, D-, minus because they couldn't win, um, they couldn't lose properly, <laughs> player development, awful, um, and just overall, no, no, not really any, uh, any kind of, uh, rebuild, to be honest with you all. But you know, you look forward to the off season. You know, maybe, maybe they can find somebody in the draft who can play a competent starting point guard for them. But I'm not so sure. It's hard for me to say because you know, I think I told you guys a couple shows ago that I'm not necessarily the the, the college ball expert here. So I don't know who's out there. I don't know who who could make them better in this upcoming draft. I don't know too much outside of Lamelo Ball. <clears throat> Excuse me. Outside of Lamelo Ball, Cole Anthony. And I don't even know much about them either, but I just know their names. Um, I don't really know much about this college, this next this next class. But we'll see what happens in in, in the off season with the draft and and free agency. Obviously, I don't want if we're going to talk about the wants and needs. I want the Knicks to the one thing I want them to do this off season is to stay on course. Don't chase wins. Don't chase stars. You know, keep the goal of a rebuild of a rebuild in mind. Learn from your past mistakes. Learn from those previous mistakes. We know what I'm talking about. The Durant mistake. The Irving mistake. Um, and, and don't go after anything stupid. I would. I prefer not to to trade for CP3. Don't give up assets. You know, maybe you know you can give up Randall for him, which would be fun. But I just feel like CP3 at this age, he's an injury risk. Um, he's a solid player, but. He is owed a lot of money, over eighty million the next two seasons. Um, I, I, and I also feel like he's going to stunt the growth of whoever we draft, and, and also guys like Frankie Lakina and Dennis Smith while he's here. I feel like we should just be playing as much as the kids as possible at this point. And there's not really no point to to add another veteran on this team who, who again, is not even going to be a win team, a winning team. So you remember earlier, before the season began, before the 2019-20 season began. CP3 was kind of disgruntled and didn't want to play for OKC because he didn't think they'd be a contender. So what the hell, why would he want to, you know, what makes you think he'll be motivated enough to, to play for the Knicks who are not going to be a good team next season? They're not going to overachieve like OKC did. I wouldn't do that trade. I also wouldn't sign someone like DeRozan, somebody who relies on athleticism. I feel like at 31 years old, not the smartest thing to do. Also feel like it doesn't really improve our weaknesses which you know it's just adding fuel to to the lack of shooting he's not a good shooter he can't shoot threes he doesn't shoot enough threes um and we're trying to become a more modern team 
because that was another issue I didn't really mention, was the Knicks didn't shoot enough threes out there. Um, they were dinosaurs. They defended well in the paint, and they and they scored well in the paint, but that was it. <laughs> they literally were 1960s hoops um, players. <laughs> so I, I just feel like going after somebody like CP3, not a great idea. Going after somebody like DeRozan doesn't necessarily mesh well with you know your other core pieces like RJ who can't shoot himself right now and I just feel like the Knicks should just stay on course keep the rebuild in mind and just be competent man just be competent and, and get back on track and hopefully one day we're, we're watching a, a solid Knicks team that's all I want that's all I want just solid but guys thank you so much for stopping by um if you haven't yet be sure to follow my page on Facebook and on Twitter which is located at um which is which is at NY Sports Talk RC that is the handle for both my Facebook and Twitter pages, once again, NY Sports Talk RC. Type that in on other platform, and you'll find my page, Rob Carbone. Also, find me on Instagram, Rob Carbone. The handle is at Rob J Carbone. Um, and if you haven't yet uh, subscribed to BD4, be sure to do so on all the major platforms. You know, platforms like iTunes, uh, platforms like Google, SoundCloud, Spotify, Radio Public, YouTube, where the video cast is located, and plenty more. To get all these, you know, all these, to get all this information, right? To find my social media platforms, to find my podcast platforms, and to reach me, just go to my website to make it easier for you, which is located at nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com. Once again, that is nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com. Go there, click on the page, uh, the tab called Outlets, and it'll take you right to a page where it has everything you need to reach me and to follow me and subscribe and all that stuff guys thank you so much and um i'm not necessarily sure uh, probably a couple days from now i'll have episode two out of hibernation frustration here on bd4 um you know where i stream a game for my playstation and we'll just talk either basketball or yankees and knicks um mlb whatever but as for now well not knicks this is the last time we're talking Knicks for a bit, but you know, hibernation frustration. For those of you who don't know, is it is a new segment, a new little mini series I'm starting here on BD4, where I just stream a video game, MLB The Show, or maybe NBA 2K, and we're going to talk about the state of baseball or the state of basketball, you know, and things like that. It'll be fun. Um, so look forward to episode two sometime, maybe this weekend, but if not this weekend, at the start of next week. Because, hey, we've got nothing better to do. We're, we're all quarantined right now. So, guys, thank you so much for stopping by. This has been Rob Carbone, your host of BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. Episode 90, Knicks Final Report. Guys, stay safe. Wash your fucking hands, and, and I'll see you next time. All right. Ciao. We hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, be sure to leave a like, comment, subscribe, share, and all that fun stuff. If you want to follow BD4 on all the different platforms we have, all you have to do is go to my website, nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com. Once again, that's nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com. Thank you guys. I'll see you next time. Ciao.